man, two weeks is a long time. I feel like I've lived a lifetime and I don't remember what movies are. Is, it, is that right? Yeah. So we kind of have a featured title this week, but we don't have to treat it as such. We don't have to give it a whole segment, but um, I wanted to revisit Pineapple Express, so we'll talk about that maybe. We'll save that for the end. But uh, we streamed a couple of things that we both saw, and then I know we both went on some little runs of our own watching this and that. So where shall we begin? The two titles that we both saw are Come to Daddy and Excision. They're both uh, out there in terms of genre and content. One I think is a little more, a little more to swallow than the other one is. So uh, to speak. Should we dive right in with uh, excision? Sure. So excision was my was my. I mean, is pick the word? But I came across I mean, you, it. You picked it. I sure did. I came you across it, it and I, I clicked play, and there was no turning back from there. So this is a 2012 American horror film written and directed by Richard Bates Jr. and uh, it, it's, it's a it's a feature length adaptation of a short film, so it's like mm-hmm. adapted from and you know. Film. I noticed that, and that's the kind of thing that makes a little bit of sense, actually. But go on. Yeah, I guess so. There was some quote in an Ebert review where he was like, "What in the world can it mean that it was adapted from an original screenplay?" <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like the plagiarized. Anyway, so we've got Pauline, who is I mean, shall we call her a disturbed high school student? She has tons of self confidence. In most of the scenes, yeah. For all of her weirdness. And she she doesn't this girl does not fit in. And she makes all sorts of repugnant and repellent um advances and overtures to her classmates, where she tries to share what is pretty much like a pretty off putting and disgusting existence with them, and they rightfully sh- I think shun her. <laughs> Meanwhile, she has a younger sister named Grace who has cystic fibrosis and the um, condition is worsening. So Pauline has become concerned and has been doing a lot of medical research. Meanwhile, she really doesn't get along with her mom, who's played by Tracy Lords, surprisingly. And Roger Bart, I love seeing Roger Bart in things. Yeah. He's this sort of a hapless, sad sack, completely steamrolled by his wife and family dad who seems to have a little bit more grace toward pauline um but the mom cannot stand her what is the mother's name um Uh, the mother's name is phyllis phyllis that's right and so how can i describe this it's like you're watching something that's happening in our world and then it cuts to Pauline's really bloody, gruesome, gory, but also sexual nightmares. Yeah. Um, she She's not okay. She is not no. okay. This and is not then, a quirky character. This is no, a deeply troubled character. A deeply troubled character. But I feel like the film's tone is such that we're, we're not quite sure what we're supposed to think of her. You know, right. is she funny? Because some of the screenplay, to me, was very funny and entertaining. Right. And then she does things that are just reprehensible and disgusting. Yeah, so this movie has, um, I think it has a few like signals in it, like the casting of um, John Waters as mm-hmm. a priest. And it, and so I'm thinking, okay, so this is someone who admires John Waters. Also notable that people like Tracy Lords and um, Malcolm McDowell and Mar- Marley Matlin. Marley in the movie. Matlin, yes. Insane. These people saw something in Incision and decided to be in the full-length adaptation. Uh 
so but so i'm thinking well if you like waters that is about quirky characters who don't fit in and sometimes rub up against the world in ways that can only be described as disgusting but this movie goes way beyond any john waters gross out stuff and it's it's sexual and it's gore and it's it's truly madness but then it's played sometimes it's played like a napoleon dynamite right quirky character comedy right and hey like in all of this my incredulity i was enraptured throughout i wanted to see what would happen next very watchable yeah very watchable you know so pauline decides that she's going to seduce one of her classmates and she decides it's very matter of fact and their encounter is okay until it's traumatizing for him i guess pauline participates with nary a backward glance and it and just things continue in her view it goes off without a hitch yeah yeah Th- things go on until uh pauline is, pauline is further ostracized and she decides to take um grace's medical care shall we say into her own hands and what was this movie actually about in the end because in a way it seems like in the beginning that her mom has impossible standards for her and wants her to be a part of this kind of proper girls dance and that's just not who I am mom and like that right. sort of a thing but that's not really what this is about it's kind of like about her mom not seeing her and not appreciating her psychotic sociopathic what she considers to be gifts like in the end it's like she wants her mom to admire her demented handiwork as sort of what she brings to the world and why can't my mom just see me you know right <clears throat> And on and, the yeah, and that's really messed up. And is that how the audience is supposed to feel? Like, oh, that's messed up, or oh, poor Pauline. Right. There's a type of, I mean, this this really there's this movie. I don't know. There's no class for this movie. I don't know. I'm not comparing. There's no other movies to compare right. it to. No. But in weirdo, offbeat, disturbed character movies, sometimes you can get to an ending where it's horrifying and tragic in the outside world, but inside the character's mind, it's bliss or, you know, but this movie didn't really play that up. It's just a devastating ending that doesn't get you anywhere. I don't, yeah. It was very, um, it is what it is. You feel like, I, I will say that this movie feels like a vision. It feels uh-huh. like exactly what, uh, Roger Bates wanted it to be. Richard Bates. Sorry. Uh, it feels like exactly the movie he wanted to make. Um, it feels very confident. And it's nice and short and it it moves at a clip, but it Mm -hmm. is baffling from scene to scene what the what the rules of the universe are, what. And and I think you and I both agreed in chatting previously that it comes down to the character of Pauline. Yeah, I think that had Pauline been like, what was the movie about the woman who likes to eat the objects? Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever that was called. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. really empathize with her. You see them as beautiful like she does. And you see how that gives her self-esteem and self-worth and how that makes her otherwise miserable life somehow worth living. Swallow, that was the name. Swallow, that's right. I I feel like had they approached Pauline in that way to some degree of like understanding what is the beauty that she sees in in her morbidity, in, in the death and in the blood, and where's that beauty? And couldn't she just sort of be this shy outcast misunderstood girl she is so aggressively you know impudently disgusting 
right. in her dealings with her parents and her peers that it's hard to empathize with her. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't I don't get what they're doing because because in Excision, the character will one moment in one scene, she'll be aggressively unpleasant by her own volition and design, like basically punking everyone else uh, and laughing at them. And then in another scene, she'll be downright sentimental with her sister or even with right. her mom. Right. She seems like she's human. She doesn't seem like a an unfeeling sociopath. Yeah. In those scenes. It's very baffling. And she's the actress is a lovely person, but the character is aggressively unattractive and yeah. greasy faced. And I know that's a thing that's like rebelling against the way characters need to look in movies. That's also kind of a John Waters thing. But um, I yeah, I just I had I kind of I like big swings. So I admire mm-hmm. this movie yeah. in that way. Also, I'll say if I'm talking about things I like. Uh, I did like seeing Roger Bart, who I was lucky yeah. enough to see in the producers on stage. Oh, really? And uh, I guess I did he, too. He took um, a character that is very kind of like a traditional movie character, the put upon dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought he was a highlight. I thought he was very, it didn't do much with his character ultimately, but I just, I don't know. I found him grounding somehow in, in a movie where I felt lost a lot of the time. And also just worth mentioning, because I like weird trivia that Ariel Winter, the little sister, Grace, uh, is the voice of Sophia the First on Disney Junior? Oh, well, she's also on Modern Family, quite famously. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, so I, I, I saw yeah. Roger Bart in uh, "You're a Good Man," Charlie Brown with Christian Channel. Oh, yeah, that was his Tony mm-hmm. playing Snoopy. So I don't know if I have much more to say about that one, but um, excision exists, and if you, I mean, it's, it is. Ex- we should emphasize it is extremely. It revels in gore and blood, and you know shocking imagery and that kind of stuff so if you think you can handle that and you like weirdo movies i don't think it's a disaster i just it is ultimately baffling yeah it's baffling it's a definitely a recommend though if you can stomach it it's it's better than most movies i click start on um and speaking of which if we're ready to segue to come to daddy so come to daddy is a curious one we'll talk about the movie itself in a second but as far as like the meta uh stuff surrounding it i just am i'm I'm either losing touch or things are weird or whatever but in the last week i've seen numerous people calling this movie bad calling come to daddy Mm. uh a failure and praising vivarium really in fact stephen king just said last night on twitter that vivarium is a work of genius well maybe the central conceit was good but the movie itself was not yeah yeah, so and I'm showing my cards a bit here on Come to Daddy. I don't know that I think this movie is like top tier, but I really liked it. So, I liked um it too. For, as far as weird genre movies go, and we seem to be to be uh, drawn to them when we have kind of free time and just click mm-hmm. on random things. Uh we like weird movies, and this is a weird one that I felt like um yeah, I felt like it lived up to its premise and had a lot going for it. So, this is a 2019 comedy horror mystery film directed by Ant Timpson. And written by Toby Harvard. And it stars Elijah Wood. Uh, the, the little summary here on IMDb says, A man in his 30s travels to a remote cabin to reconnect with his estranged father. There's like 12 words in that sentence, and they mm-hmm. devoted a bunch of them to telling us that he's in his 30s. Uh, <laughs> I guess with Elijah Wood, you have to say it because he looks like he's perpetually 14. Yeah. Anyway, so he is a guy... <laughs> A, um, a guy who seems to have had some trouble with uh, 
addiction and uh, relationships and things. And so when he gets an invitation to meet his long estranged father in a cabin, I don't know where this is. It is, I think it's a New Zealand made film, but I don't know that it necessarily, I guess it could be New Zealand. And uh, when he gets there, he's greeted by uh, Stephen McHattie who welcomes him in and there's an awkward meeting between uh, father and son. Now this is a movie of twists and turns. So, um, so I guess, you know, if you're hi, if you're Brian, Bill or Billy, three people I know listen to this <laughs> podcast sometimes uh, and you want to see come to daddy on your own, maybe skip ahead a couple minutes. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Should we just. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, do it, I guess only if you uh, have things to say about the different, yeah, I guess maybe I don't. Part. Maybe it's easy I don't to either. talk about this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, there's some surprises. Yeah, I like I like the style and the look and the feel and the pace a lot. I yeah. felt like it was one of those movies where they just keep opening a new door that leads into a new room and then there's another door at the end of that room and it leads into a different room. Um, because the rug just keeps getting pulled out from under you, but in an intriguing way, not an annoying way. Right. And it's and I think it's all fair and it's all earned. Um some of it's a little implausible, but who cares? Because right. you're just watching this. You're following this person who is from the normal world, uh, Elijah Wood's character, who is flawed and has trauma, but trying to navigate the situation he's presented with, the wild situation, event by event, like a, like a normal person would with the next logical move. Um, if you are in a room and someone who wasn't who they originally seemed to be suddenly is yelling at you instantly to kill someone else in the room. What would you do? (laughs) You know? And and it, and it's, and I feel like he's, he, uh, Elijah Wood uh, character Norval remained a a relatable person throughout. Yes. And to me, if you want to use it as an allegory or a, or a metaphor of dealing with your issues with your dad, I think that you could do a lot worse than come to daddy. Yeah, for sure. It seems like it's, here's another compliment I want to pay it. It seems early on, like it's setting up a contentious and uh, unstable kind of conflict based relationship. And sometimes in movies, especially genre movies, they set up something like that and then they just grind it and just get everything they can out of it. And you have to kind of go for the ride. And I was kind of feeling that, like, okay, I guess this is what it's going to be. And then it just completely <laughs> changes. Uh, really, you know, every 10 or 15 minutes, uh, it changes direction. So you're never kind of in a grind. It's It goes by fast and it's interesting. Right. Uh, and so you meet a lot of underworld, uh, underworld low-life characters. Uh, there's one in particular named Jethro, played by Michael Smiley, who in this movie looks like a like a – gutter version of uh, jeffrey rush but when i look him up i realize (laughs) i have him elsewhere uh free fire was a movie he was in which i barely remember but there's something else that he's like known for what was that uh the lobster he was in the lobster as well oh was he um anyway so i think when you and i discussed this movie you said you wouldn't change a thing and i told you that i would change one thing and that Mm. that would make me wait till the show to tell you i get to find out Um, (laughs) <laughs> I thought that it was so good and so like smart and, and good. The only thing that I thought I, I was like, eh, was his little interaction with the, the guy working at the motel who is obsessed with jugs and the way that he gets him to leave the room, I thought was kind of sub sitcom 
level comedy. Okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. Uh, and I, for, that was the only thing where I was like, okay, this movie's throwing a lot at me, and I've accepted it. But this is a little too, a little too goofy. I mean, it's it is a goofy movie as compared to yeah. um, Excision, which is weirdly goofy, but is also you know difficult <laughs> on the eyes. Uh-huh. This movie is kind of breezy and fun. Uh, it gets a little heavy with the emotions at at certain points, but um, I don't know. I thought it was a good ride. Come to daddy. Yeah, I feel like we aren't in the real world in this movie where yeah. such a ridiculous character like that hotel clerk can exist. Right. That's almost yeah. like Friday the 13th level um, tomfoolery. Yeah. The stuff that happens in that motel, which is kind of in- insane and chaotic, uh-huh. I kind of dug because it was so like the movie just keeps in- inventing situations that are uncomfortable and weird. And then again, the consistency of Norval of Elijah Wood's character is really the key. So whether your character is like a troubled, insane teenager or a man in his thirties going to meet his estranged father, just be consistent. Right. With a... Come to Daddy. I think both of these were just right there streaming on Amazon Prime. I believe. Sure were. So my pick for a movie to revisit um, was Pineapple Express. Because I had been thinking of all these, I, every time I think of a movie to revisit, I'm like, it has to be, I was thinking of Snow Falling on Cedars and uh, Life of Pi and all these big, like, important movies that you can, you know, you talk about their philosophy. And I was like, why can't I just have fun and revisit something that I remember having fun with and see if I still have fun? You with can. It? And then I thought of this movie. Well, if this ends up being our, our last look back, we can say we went all the way from Cabin Boy pineapple express and by the way if you've got something on your mind or a movie that you want to revisit please tell me and we'll watch it i just don't know you know i don't know if we need to devote a segment to it and have notes and be like that kind of academic part of it kind of got old and i think we're at our best when we're just chatting about the movies we watched Mm -hmm. okay so the pine uh yeah pineapple express is a 2008 action comedy crime film directed by david gordon green which was quite a coup at the time it is written by Seth Rogen and his writing and producing partner, Evan Goldberg. I believe it's also got writing um, by Judd Apatow, who produced it. And um, it does star Seth Rogen and James Franco as a, uh, a man and his drug dealer who get caught up uh, in some intrigue when uh, Dale Denton, Seth Rogen's character, witnesses a, uh, a murder by a crime boss slash dirty cop. And then it's about the madcap zany uh, antics of uh, they got to go talk to Red, played by Danny McBride, who was kind of new on the scene, I believe, at this time. Craig Robinson, whose star was rising, is in it. Um, Kevin Corrigan was another one of the uh, the toughs working for Gary Cole as Ted Jones, the big baddie of the movie. And he is in cahoots with Rosie Perez as, uh, well, it says here on... <laughs> says here on imdb she played carol slash female cop right. <laughs> uh ed begley jr might have gotten the biggest laugh for me in the whole movie in a very brief scene you also see people pop up like amber heard joe latrulio it's a uh bill haters in there i yep. i enjoyed his bit uh bobby lee and ken jong and some i think probably the most regrettable roles in Ugh. the movie uh, two very talented asian actors who are kind of playing uh well basically really goofy Chinese stereotypes. 
Uh, anyway, this is a movie. I think people know about this movie. It's a crime movie with a stoner twist, and it's very 2008 in the way that it still can use drugs and smoking weed uh, to give it an edge. It really That's the part of it that really doesn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. There's jokes in this movie about weed imminently becoming legal. Um, and really kind of has had most of the edge taken off of it. David Gordon Green is a very interesting filmmaker who had made a very famous uh, and serious documentary called George Washington. And I think he directed a, 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 drum, a dramatic film. And so to see him, I remember Ebert's review. Uh, he liked this movie very much, but I remember him being a little bit like hesitant and like, I hope David Gordon Green is just having fun and is going to go back to being a serious filmmaker. And he kind of has and kind of hasn't. This is an Apatow, Rogan drug movie, but it has, I guess it has a little more pedigree with the David Gordon Green element. Um, Pineapple Express refers to the strain of weed that they smoke that kind of gets them into all these uh, adventures. I don't know, Dan, I'm rambling about this movie uh, like a stoner. I thought that it was fun. It got a little long while I was watching it. I think it is a superior example of one of these movies but it's also another thing that i'm revisiting 12 years later not so much 20 years but i didn't remember a single thing about it and it doesn't it didn't play like the movie that i remembered in my head i remembered it being shocking and hilarious and edgy and really it's just kind of fun it comes down to the personalities of rogan and james franco and danny mcbride and it being fun to watch them and uh, craig robinson's particularly fun uh it's fine it's fun. What'd you think? Yeah, that, I agree with that review. Fine and fun. I thought I had seen it before. I don't know if I'm just confusing it with another title of a movie that sounds like a train, like 310 to Yuma or something. But I don't think I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. Um, because this doesn't seem like something I would probably go to. I That's being said, though, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Totally a product of its time. Um, the it, it is not woke in any of the right ways it's totally a a white screenwriting thing to cast a whole you know secondary villain set of you know quote the asians where they get no development we don't find out where they're from we don't understand what their motivation is they're just there to be secondary secondary antagonists at the climax who can sort of help in wiping out the people that the heroes are trying to wipe out and then either escape off back to their um, Asian mobster lair or be killed. That's pretty much what all the characters are there for is to be killed in some horrible way. (laughs) Yes. Um, In the end. And of course it's completely unrealistic that the do nothing heroes would have survived their ordeal, but that's neither here nor there. That's not what this movie is about. Yeah. The, the, it, to me, it was not edgy. It was not daring. It was more kind of cute and quaint yeah. in, in its thing. I, I'm not a huge Seth Rogen fan. I sometimes kind of find him annoying. I, I thought it was kind of pretty, not kind of pretty problematic that he's dating a high school girl, though, what yeah, that what that weird. means. Yeah, yeah. Because what was the point of that? What was that to right. show? Because wasn't he to be like 27 or something at the time? Like he seemed, he struck me as late 20s dating right. someone who's maybe 17 or 18. Why? And I mean, he rightfully discovered that she's not the person he should be with but he almost blamed her for being too immature 
you know, right. and, and you know, he's stepping forward, you know, we didn't even get to find out what happened to her. This, the story right. cared so little about her and her family. Um, cause I would have expected him to at least have circled back to her or if not reconciled their relationship, given it some closure. No, that was, that was completely, she was completely someone to be disposed of. And yeah. I, and, and it's I even played was, as a joke that he right. calls her in a moment of desperation and they're crying and then it ends up, you know, hang up the phone, never talking again. Right. I thought that was a little bit icky. Again, who cares? That's not what this is about. This is a romantic comedy between two straightish men who just so desperately want to have sex together to have some sort of a physical embodiment of what they feel for one another, um, that that right. is played for laughs at the end. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking j- just, I-, I wish people weren't, didn't have to make a joke of how much they felt for one another. You know, right. that that's kind of like one of those aches at the middle of these buddy comedies to me, because to me, what is true about them is they express the depth of longing Particularly, I think that uh, straight men may feel toward their friends, not even like an erotic thing, but they, they have no place um, to express, no, no embodied method to express the affection they feel for one another. They, they're so trapped. Um, yeah. and, and these films really explore that. Yeah, and you're not reading that into it. I mean, that's genuinely... No, yeah. Directly below the surface in this movie, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think with Rogan and the dating a high schooler, I'm, I was thinking about that and what what would possess them unless it's just like this movie's already, you know, an R-rated edgy comedy at the time. But like, I think what they were doing was, I feel like Seth Rogen, especially at this point in his career, was kind of a Hollywood like experiment in how much socially unacceptable behavior can this, sh- you know, schlubby protagonist be engaged in and still get the audience to root for him. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of Seth Rogen's whole thing. And the being a stoner only goes so far. I mean, he's still doing that to an extent. But I feel like maybe that was a miscalculated attempt to just make him a loser. That Because they think it's funny that you are rooting for the loser. But that's that's beyond loser. That's deeply problematic. Well, if they wanted to do that, why not cast an actual 17-year-old in the role so we can actually yeah. see what it looks like? Because right. instead they cast his peer and then pretended she was in high school, you know. Right. I did enjoy the scene. Uh, I should also mention Nora Dunn as um, the girl's mother. Ed Bagley Jr. is her father, and for some reason, I really love Ed Bagley Jr. He always makes me smile, mm-hmm. and him as the incredulous, cranky dad when Seth Rogen bursts into their house, telling them they're all going to be killed by gangsters, um, and his his reactions. And uh, the way he speaks to Seth Rogen made me laugh a lot. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's it's there. It's worth revisiting. It, it's a totally different movie from what I remember. I guess it has to do with society and times. <laughs> There's just no edge to this movie anymore. It's almost cozy in a weird yeah. way where it, it used to be abrasive. Yeah, I probably would have been really put off by it in 2008. And I kind of enjoyed watching it today. It feels like Danny McBride is um he's a bit of a revelation just as a as a performer and a personality but i feel like they didn't quite know what to do with him yet yeah he's only in the movie to be like hey check this guy out (laughs) he kind of saves them at the end or whatever they make a lot for him to do but i don't know i didn't feel like they didn't really mine his depths very well 
I wish they would have been a little more creative about how he was keeping himself alive because he should have been right. killed many times. Weird. But you could have come up with some funny way that he was cheating death or treating his right. wounds that was working for him or something. If I could cut one scene because it was over long, it would be that last one at the coffee shop where yeah. it just was yeah, so sure. long and the action was yeah. done. And I, I was just kind of tired of them talking to one another and rehashing the plot of the movie and for sure yeah felt like apatow excess like yeah. oh we got so much good uh footage of them it's all going in right everyone's gonna love these guys so much by the end and people did they yeah. were all stars this was a pretty successful movie for all of them well uh pineapple express folks it's it continues to exist perfect i hope you are well and i enjoy talking to you and i hope that uh you know may the uh May the sun shine upon your countenance. Oh, and and also with you, my son. All right. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. Um, You can listen to this podcast like you're doing right now, anytime you want. So keep doing it. Keep it up. Thanks for listening. Bye.